Here is a sermon message from Somerville Community Baptist Church. To hear more sermons like this, please visit ilovescbc.org. We come today and continue our study in the life of Joseph. And we find ourselves now at the very end of this account here in Genesis. Now we've watched and walked our way through the life of Joseph. We've seen Joseph as a young man who is not getting along well with his brothers. They sell him into Egypt. But we see Joseph through God's hand and God's intervention rise up to power in Egypt, becoming only second to Pharaoh. And then Joseph, in this much favored position, is able to save his family during a time of intense famine. And Joseph's saving of the family is as much about Joseph's forgiveness as it is of anything else. And then as the story continues, this family has come and they have settled in Egypt. And the patriarch of the family, Jacob, days are coming to an end. And he gathers his children around to give them their final blessings. And as you just saw, even from the reading of that scripture, some of the blessings are good. Some are not so good. Jacob's just going to give it to him straight. So the very first thing um, that we are going to be looking at today will be Joseph's two sons and the receiving of their blessing. And as we move into that story of Joseph, I want to just prepare you a little bit. This message is a little different. Just the style of it's going to be a little different. And you're going to have a part in this. There's something you need to do that's going to make this message work better for both of us. And it's this. I want you to choose your tribe today. I want you to pick out your tribe and say, that's my people. For the next 45 minutes, I'm not preaching for 45 minutes, but that's probably like the the whole time of our service. But for this next portion of time, choose your tribe. Put your identity into that tribe. And if you do that, you're going to get more out of this today. And the tribes that we have here are a little bit like the Harry Potter story. And in Harry Potter, if you're familiar with it, there are houses. And each of the houses has a certain identity to it. A certain nuance about the people who are part of that house. The tribes are the same way. There's an identity that comes with it. There's a certain nuance as to who you are. And I hope as we go through those tribes, you're going to see one and say, that's me. That's me. So today, let's take on an identity. Let's become a tribe. We're going to look at the first two tribes, which are the disappointment and the overachiever. And these are the two sons of Joseph. So Jacob, as he comes to gather his children and make a blessing for him, he pulls Joseph off to the side. We see a special blessing for Joseph. And Jacob's sons are going to become the 12 tribes of Israel, which is significant as we look through the biblical story. But perhaps you've noticed there's no tribe of Joseph. Well, Joseph gets a double portion. And so Joseph's inheritance is going to be split between Joseph's two older children, Manasseh and Ephraim. 
And so Jacob brings Joseph's children to him. And he says, these two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim, are like my own sons. And he comes to provide a blessing upon them. And this is where the story starts to take a little bit of a shift. A little bit of unexpected happens. You see, Joseph, I mean, we've been looking at the story of Joseph. Joseph is a man who's locked in on following Jesus. We've already talked about Joseph's amazing forgiveness of his brothers. Joseph using his power to help not only his family, but all the people in the land. Joseph's two sons. The oldest one is Manasseh. And so he comes with the blessing. He's like, hey, Dad, this is the oldest one. We're going to give him the special blessing. Joseph's like, he's the one I've been expecting all along to receive this special place. The place of the birthright. The place of the oldest. Jacob's like, no. No. I know what I'm doing. The younger will become greater than the older. Let's read a verse together. It's going to come out of Genesis 48, verse 19. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know he too will become a people and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he and his descendants will become a group of nations. Jacob explains that Ephraim, the younger, will be greater than Manasseh, the older. Much to the surprise of Joseph. So we have our first two tribes. We have Manasseh, the disappointment. Manasseh, he doesn't live up to his father's expectations. His dad thought he was going to be the one. But it turns out in God's plan, Manasseh isn't the one. Manasseh, the disappointment, never lived up to the expectations that his father placed upon him. Second tribe today is Ephraim, the overachiever. Ephraim's rays never going to be greater than his brother. And you can imagine all the special instruction, all the special time, all the extra concern that Joseph puts towards the older brother. And there's Ephraim just tagging along. But it turns out that Ephraim will become the one who is great. Ephraim, the overachiever. And in fact, what we'll find is that the tribe of Ephraim actually becomes the namesake for the ten tribes that are known as Israel. And so we'll talk a little bit more of how the tribes end up splitting. But there's a whole group of tribes. Ten of these tribes will eventually become known as Ephraim. And so actually in your Bible, as you read and you see the name Ephraim later, it often refers to the ten tribes. Ephraim, the overachiever. We're going to look at the next three tribes. Remember today, I want you to choose your tribe. You're going to have 12 choices. One of these has to work for you. Choose your tribe today. Next three are going to be worst day, angry, and hope. The oldest of Jacob's sons is Reuben. And Reuben, by birth order, should be the one who receives the birthright. 
Reuben is the oldest son. Of the 12 sons, he's the oldest. He's the one who should carry on the family's legacy. And in fact, as we look and see Reuben, we find him to be a good son. And we find him caring for his father. And we find Reuben's the one who actually saves Joseph when all the others want to kill him. Reuben's the one who steps in and delivers Joseph. And we see Reuben later being willing to step in and say, I have to take care of my dad. I have to take care of Benjamin. And no harm can come to Benjamin. And Reuben's the one who says, no harm will come to Benjamin because it would kill my father. Reuben is a good son. Let's read Genesis 49.3. Reuben, you are my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power. Reuben, Reuben's a good first son. There's a catch. Despite the goodness of Reuben, he's made a mistake. His mistake is that he has had relations with Jacob's concubine. This concubine with whom he's had relations is actually Dan and Naphtali, two of his brother's mother. And Jacob's like Reuben. That mistake was too great. Reuben, who is a great son, a great first son, has made a mistake, a single mistake. And that single mistake will overshadow all the goodness that he has done. I call Reuben the worst day. He's the tribe of the worst day. The worst day of his life has become the defining day of his life. The worst day of his life has cast a shadow over his goodness. Reuben, the worst day. Next two brothers are Simeon and Levi. And these two brothers are known for their anger. And the Bible tells this story where they seek retribution against an entire city because some people in that city have sexually assaulted their sister. It's a vicious and violent attack. And Jacob shows no love towards them. Jacob explains, he says, Cursed be their anger, so fierce and their fury so cruel. I will scatter them in Jacob and disperse them in Israel. Jacob says, these are just bad guys. They're angry. They're violent. And he says, your blessing is to be scattered throughout all of Israel. Now, strangely, for Levi, this curse becomes a blessing. Because you see, Levi has no inheritance of land. Levi is not one of the tribes that will receive land. Actually, Levi becomes the Levites, the people who work in the temple. They become the servants of God. And these servants of God are dispersed into all the other tribes. And they are scattered throughout all of Israel, just as it says here, just as this blessing says. So for Levi, despite his anger, his curse is a blessing. Simeon, though. Simeon. Simeon the angry. 
He is scattered and becomes an insignificant tribe. His anger has become his defining feature. Simeon, the angry. Is that you? Is that you? Is your anger your defining feature? All the goodness that you do, but your temper blows. You have this fury about you. Despite the goodness that you do in your life, you're known more for your anger than anything else. Simeon, the angry. We come next to our, four, our fifth tribe, Judah. Judah, the hope. Judah, as we see here in the story of Genesis, is not a perfect man. He makes his own mistakes for sure. But he will become the tribe of blessing. He will become the tribe that will carry on the family's lineage. Judah becomes essentially the good son. The hope for everyone else. Let's read from Genesis 49 verses 9 and 10. You are a lion's cub, Judah. You return from the prey, my son. Like a lion, he crouches and lies down. Like a lioness who dares to rouse him. The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. Judah is described here as a lion. And this lion will be the hope the Savior for the family. And in fact, we'll see that Jesus comes out of this line, of this line of deliverance. And in fact, that is why Jesus at times has this imagery of the lion. He is referred to as the Lion of Judah. So if you've ever read the book, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and there's this character named Aslan, who's a lion, who's a lot like Jesus, that's the reason for the imagery. Because Judah is the hope. Is this you? Are you the hope? Are you the good child in the family? Are you the one that the cousins and the aunts and the uncles and the grandparents look to and say, that's the one who will bring honor to our family? We, we, we've, we've had some scoundrels in the group. We've had some disappointments in the group. That's the one. That's the one who will change everything for us. Judah, the hope. We're now going to go through these others. We're going to move a little bit quicker through the remainder of these. We're going to look at the fisher folk, the lazy, the havoc and the gritty. Next tribe up is Zebulun. And Zebulun here is described as living by the seashores. And we will see as we look through Zebulun that they are a tribe that is always ready for a fight. They are tough people. I refer to them as Zebulun, the fisher folk. And by fisher folk, I'm talking about those people who live out on the boats. You know, and there's just a certain toughness about those people who are out fishing on boats. They know how to take care of themselves. When disaster strikes, there's no one to help them. They're going to solve the problem. They're tough people. They're the kind of people you want on your side. That is Zebulun. Maybe that's you, Zebulun, the fisher folk. Next, we have Issachar. And Issachar here, as their blessing goes, it says they're going to submit 
to forced labor. That's not a good blessing. They, you don't want that blessing. Issachar, as a group of people, doesn't seem to be showing much initiative. It's described as having, hey, they have this great opportunity. They just don't do anything about it. And then other people come in and make it, take advantage of them. That's why Issachar, for us, is going to be known as Issachar the lazy. They're just lazy. They don't work hard. Issachar the lazy. Kind of a funny little passage out of, Mo, out of Deuteronomy and Moses' blessing the tribes. And as I was just talking to you about Zebulun the fisher folk and Issachar the lazy, here is Moses' blessing for these two, two, for these two tribes. It says, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and you, Issachar, in your tents. So even Moses, hundreds of years later, is picking up on this idea. Zebulun, the fisher folk, Issachar, the lazy. Next, we have Dan. And Dan is described here as being a snake along the roadside, a viper along the path. Right? And if you've ever seen a snake along the path, you kind of know what that's like, right? You see, you're walking along, and that snake's right there. And maybe you make it by safely, but you're like, wow, that could have gone bad. That could have gone bad. That's Dan. That's Dan as a tribe. They are known for bringing idols into the nation. And they create havoc for all the other tribes. For all the potential that the tribe of Dan has, they are better known as Dan the Havoc. Because they commit the sins that simply is one of the worst in following God. And that is the introduction of idols. And that is the sin that haunts the people in their following God. And that is the sin that haunts the nation of Israel when it splits from Judah later on. It's always about the high places in Dan. Dan the Havoc. Dan the Havoc. I'll tell you what that person kind of looks like. Is that you? It could be. It could be. Dan the Havoc is the person who has all the potential to do amazing things. But instead of using all the gifts and abilities that they have to do amazing things, they do it to just create destruction around them. That's the person you look to and you said, man, if they had just put themselves to something useful, they would have been amazing. But not Dan the Havoc. Next, we have Gad the Gritty. Gad is described here by Jacob as a group that's going to be attacked. But Gad's going to attack back. And maybe Gad's not going to get them as much as they got attacked. But Gad's still going after them. Gad's a little bit of this kind of badger type mentality. Hey, I may not be the biggest thing around. I may not be the strongest thing around. But I'm pretty tough. That's why we call him Gad the Gritty. I think of them as a little bit like this kind of pioneer mentality. Kind of independent mentality. Hey, we can do our own thing. We can go our own way. We'll set our own path. That is Gad the Gritty. Last three, and you got to choose your tribe. I'm going to go through them one last time at the end, so maybe you've latched onto one already, and you're like, hey, that's me. So just stay with it. That's your identity for the day. You're going to need it later. We, we need to know your tribe later. It's going to help you out. Last three is the foodie, the free spirit, and the fierce. We have Asher the foodie. Asher's described as providing delicacies fit for a king. 
a fertile land, great food. Everyone likes a good meal. Have you ever met anyone who's like, I don't really like to eat? No, everyone loves a good meal. Asher is the people who provides that wonderful meal for you. And in our current context, we call him a foodie. Asher the foodie. If your social media has pictures of your food, I just picked your tribe for you, okay? So there you go. Uh, next, we have Naphtali, the free spirit. And they're described here by Jacob as a dough set free. Now, I want you to think a little bit of a culture where you think of what's a really good animal that you want to be. It's an ox, right? An ox is a strong animal that can work, that can do lots of helpful things, that's great in the field. And so imagine you want an ox. But you look over, and there's Naphtali, and they are a doe. Just bouncing around. We're happy. Oh, yes. And of course, that's what you see them bouncing around. They're so happy, and there, there's does that free, and you've got to love them. But at the same time, you're like, we got work to do. That is Naphtali. They are the free spirit. And one of the funny things we see with Naphtali in the course of Scripture is they're always partnered with Zebulun. Zebulun, the fisher folk, those tough guys. Naphtali is always kind of uh, nestled up beside them. And so we, we have them, when they go out and they have different wars they go into or battles they go into, they're always kind of going along with the fisher folk. So good call there by Naphtali. The free spirit. And the last one is Benjamin the fierce. And they're described as a ravenous wolf. And these guys are tough. They are ferocious. They are fierce. And part of that fierceness is they can be a little reckless too. And in fact, there's a story where all 11 tribes turned to fight Benjamin. And in the midst of this civil war of 11 v. 1, Benjamin the fierce almost wins. To the point that the 11 were ready to give up. And God's like, no, nah, keep going. Maybe that's you. Maybe you have that fierce fighter mentality. So who are you today? Who are you? I want you to choose your tribe because that's good. we're going to need that really are for this next section. Are you Manasseh the disappointment? Maybe you're Ephraim the overachiever. Are you Reuben the worst day? Simeon the angry, Zebulun the fisher folk, Issachar the lazy, Dan the habit, Gad the gritty, Asher the foodie, Nephtali the free spirit, Benjamin the fierce. Choose your tribe. We're going to move forward now in the historical account of these tribes. And we're going to move forward about a thousand years into the book of Ezekiel. So if you have your Bible with you, you want to turn to Ezekiel 37 because we're going to be there for a moment. And here's what has happened in the life of these tribes. They have become a great nation, a powerful nation. And they eventually set up an empire ruling over the promised land that God has given them. But slowly over the course of time, they lose their faithfulness to God. And they lose the land that God has given them. And there's eventually a split among these 12 tribes with two, Judah and Benjamin, carrying on with the line that God will move forward. And the other ten tribes, becoming known as Ephraim, and those ten tribes are eventually defeated and lost and scattered among the nations. 
losing their identity. So this great people of Israel is now reduced down to Judah and Benjamin. And Benjamin eventually just kind of folds into Judah. We find ourselves with but one tribe left. The tribe of Judah. But even Judah suffers defeat. This remnant of this once powerful nation has shrunk and shrunk and shrunk until they are but a speck. And finally, a powerful Babylonian empire comes and defeats the people of Judah and carries them away. Carries them away from the land that God has promised them. And they are defeated. All 12 tribes defeated. But a speck of one remains. And we have the prophet Ezekiel who comes in and he speaks to the speck of Judah. And he brings them together. He says, I've got this image that I want to tell you about. It's an image of a valley filled with dry bones. That's what's left of these 12 great tribes. Nothing but dry bones. All are defeated. All are obsolete. Hope is gone. So I've got a question for you. Which tribe? Which tribe are you? Whichever one you are, you suffered the same fate as all the others. Maybe you were Simeon the angry. He thought, if only I was due to the hope, things would be better. But no. No, all the tribes have suffered the same consequence. All are defeated. When we look at who we are and when we look at our identity, we often think, hey, if I was someone else, if I had a different background, if I had a different temperament, if I had received different opportunities, my life would have been different. That maybe God would have used me more. Maybe I would have done something greater for the people in this world. If only I were a little bit different. What we find is that with these tribes and with us as people, we are all broken Because we are all in absolute and utter need for God. It doesn't matter how you came into the world. It doesn't matter the advantages or disadvantages you received. We are in utter need of God. And we are all dry bones. The question for us is, who do we put in charge of reassembling? Because God is saying, I will put these bones back together. And I will put life back into them. And I will restore these people. And I will put my spirit in them. Will you let God do that for you? Will you let God build you back up? 
First, you have to admit you're broken, and you are. And you are. We all are. And sure, we just we try to hide it. And we pretend that we're not. And we don't want to live out that brokenness in front of other people. And we all put on these great masks of how our life is. But in the end, we're all broken. Will you let God rebuild you? Let me read for us from Ezekiel 37, verses 13 and 14. You can join with me. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and bring you up from them. I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle in your land. God is going to take care of us. So my question for you today, what part of your broken life are you trying to self-manage? What part of your broken life are you saying, I got it, I'll do it, I don't need help? We all need God's help. It doesn't matter which tribe you are. So I've got an action for you to trade to help bring in the help that you need. Here's what I want you to do. You know that tribe that you chose? I want you to tell another person. I want you to tell them, hey, you know what? I'm Asher the foodie. And the reason I want you to tell someone your tribe is because we live behind too many barriers. We like to hide behind too many shields so that others stay at a safe distance. And we need to let people in. We need to let God in. I want you to just take a step of letting someone a little bit closer into your life by telling them your tribe. Let's take a step beyond the secrets of which we live. Live in the openness and the need of God. The book of Ezekiel continues on with this great prophecy of restoration. And we see Ezekiel as he prophesies to the people. He tells them that there will be these two sticks. And he says, you know what? Those nations that have split. There was Ephraim and there was Judah and they split and they broke apart. He says, we're going to put them back together. And there's also this great prophecy of, of this looking forward to Jesus. This eternal kingdom that is to come. And I'm going to read for you just a little bit coming out of Ezekiel 37 beginning in verse 24. So I'll just read and talk for just a moment as I go through this. And what I want you to see is the restoration that takes place. Doesn't matter which tribe you are. There is restoration. My servant David will be king over them and they will have one Shepherd. Reminds you of Jesus, doesn't it? They will follow my laws and be careful to keep my decrees. They will live in the land that I gave to their servant Jacob, the land where your ancestors live. They and their children and their children's children will live there forever. Right? That hope that we have in Jesus it is forever. And David, my servant, will be their prince forever. Jesus. Jesus, that king that reigns over us. I will make a covenant of peace with them. It will be an everlasting covenant. I will establish them, increase their numbers, and I will put my sanctuary among them forever. God's very present with us. My dwelling place will be with them. I will be their God, and they will be my people. Then the nations will know that I, the Lord, will make Israel holy when my sanctuary is among them. 
them forever. There's this hope that is put forward here in this passage of Ezekiel of this time yet to come. When God's presence, God's sanctuary is among his people and the restoration that we know is in Jesus Christ. And all are brought together. We have a hope in Jesus. And it doesn't matter who you are. Whatever past you have, whatever your future holds, we are all broken. And we all equally receive the restoration that comes in Jesus. The book of Ezekiel closes out with a reapportionment of the land. This land which is so critical to understand the identity of these tribes. This land which is the blessing that God has given them. And this land we see is not actual physical ground, but a spiritual place. It is a spiritual restoration of these tribes. And I want you to notice how much is given to each of the tribes. So once again, remember your tribe, because I'm going to go through the tribes, and I want you to see how much each tribe receives. To Manasseh, the disappointment, there is one portion given. To Ephraim, the overachiever, there is one portion given. To Reuben, the worst day, there is one portion given. To Simeon, the angry, one portion. To Zebulun, the fisher folk, one portion. To Issachar, the lazy, one portion. To Dan, the havoc, one portion. To Gad, the gritty, one portion. To Asher, the foodie, one portion. To Naphtali, the free spirit, one portion. To Benjamin, the fierce, one portion. Each equal before God. Each receives the same blessing. So if I'm talking to you and you're like, I'm Simeon the angry, right? I'm Issachar the lazy, you're Judah the hope, it's all the same. We each are equal in the sight of our God. And we each receive the same blessing as our God. The passage began today with Jacob's blessing of his children. And as we saw, some blessings were good and some weren't. But the blessing for us is all good. And our blessing this morning is that we are all children of the full inheritance. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are a child of the full inheritance. It doesn't matter what you've done or not done. God says you are completely and utterly and in all respects, my child. Let me pray for us. God, I pray for each of us we would gratefully receive the blessing that you have shown us, the blessing that you had put on us. God, let us live as your children. God, let us live with the assurance of knowing that we are your children. God, we are grateful for the love that you have for us, the kindness that you have for us, the grace and compassion that you show us. We put all this before you in the name of Jesus Christ, 
our Lord and our Savior. Amen.